Hello and welcome to the Room of Lives. I am your host, Neil. Today I will be talking to Travis Hagen. Travis was born and raised in Austin and worked as an art teacher in college and later on in the Boys and Girls Club of America. After that, he worked in the Austin Independent School District as a behavior specialist in the special education department, helping foster raised children become comfortable with a regular classroom. For the past four years, Travis has been teaching at the Shalom Austin Jewish Community Center and only recently became the mindfulness director of the school and has been teaching mindfulness to children. Okay, so what is mindfulness? In brief, it's the practice of maintaining greater moment-to-moment -moment awareness of your own body, mind, and experiences. Today, we'll not expound much more on what mindfulness is, but if you want to learn more about it and perhaps practice it yourself, you can listen to episode 4 of my podcast where I teach an audience a simple mindfulness exercise for awareness and calm. In today's episode, we will talk to Travis about the challenges in his own life that brought him to mindfulness, why he is teaching it to kids, and how he does it. If you are enjoying hanging out in the Room of Lives, consider donating Ether to abhranil.eth. That's A-B-H-R-A-N-I-L dot E-T-H. Thanks a lot for uh, to the both of you for being on my podcast. Thank you. Um, at the very beginning, I would like to. This is what I do in all my podcasts. I would like to sort of begin with a little background um, of yourself. Sure. So, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Uh, what have you done in the past, and what is it that you're doing now? Okay. So, my name is Travis Hagen. Yeah. So, uh, I was born and raised in Austin, Texas, and uh, went to school here. Uh, went to high school here, junior mm -hmm. high, and um, then uh, college. Uh, after that, I went to uh, a couple colleges. Uh, went to Colorado. I lived in Denver, you know, Denver, Colorado, for a little while. Mm -hmm. I worked at, or I went to school at uh, Regis University mm -hmm. and studied uh, fine arts and mm -hmm. had a minor in communications. Uh, had a liberal arts uh, degree mm -hmm. uh, from there. And then after that, I went to Ringling College of Art and Design in Sarasota, Florida. That's where this, that's where I studied uh, graphic design, uh, illustration, various other uh, you know uh, mediums. I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so I went to study there and uh, uh, graduated, and um, got a uh, contract job right off the bat here in Austin for three months, and it went okay. And I uh, did a couple of pamphlets for Rudy's Barbecue and a couple other places downtown, down on 620, but uh, it, was a, it was a short little freelance gig that I did, and then uh, uh, what I'll delve back to a little bit was when I was in Ringling, I, I went to, uh, I worked at a Boys and Girls Club, Boys and Girls Club of America, They're, they uh, work with a lot of underprivileged families and they have camps and uh, support systems for for families that uh, there's a lot of a lot of charity, a lot of charitable uh, things that they do, and uh, I went as an art teacher because I was in art school and uh, I needed to pay my rent and it's like I I liked working with children. I've done it at, I did it with uh, 
the college I went to in Denver. And mm-hmm. so I thought it would be just, just try it out and try to do the, uh, they hired me on as an art teacher. Mm-hmm. And it was incredible. I really, the first time I got to lead a class, it just was, it just something clicked. I connected with all these kids. All these kids just would come up to me like I didn't do anything. <laughs> and they just kind of just had this warm, like, attraction to me. Like, they just liked being around my energy around me yeah. I would talk about things and for some reason they would just be so open just opening up about the hardest things that they go through and uh, we just um, had a great time and I got to know the owner very well and he had me come back several times and work as that there so graduated from there and when I left and did mm-hmm. my graph design stuff so I, real quick oh yeah wh- how, how old were you roughly when you first had this experience with the kids for that, it was probably, um, I think I was probably like 20, 27, uh, 27 at the time. Okay. Yeah. So I was still, uh, I was still in, uh, col- I was my second parts of college. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, um, I was, on, I was junior, mid junior year of my, uh, graph design, uh, bachelor's degree that I was getting. So, um, uh, and I worked there from my sophomore year to about the end of my 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 uh, uh, junior year, mm. and then I had to focus on my studies for the rest of the time I was at school. Mm. And so uh, after that, how'd you get a job now? So when I went back to uh, when I graduated, I came back to Austin, mm. and uh, I had a couple of jobs, graphic designer, and found it kind of difficult to make. Uh, connections and things like that so I went with what I was knew I was really good at which was teaching and talking to kids talking to families and I uh, applied to do the substitute programs for AISD substitute teacher program and uh, worked for several schools had a lot of jobs and became a student teacher or a teacher assistant for a few years that's one of the reasons I remember saying I was in this I worked in this area Mm -hmm. and Lee Elementary is right down the road and uh uh, I got to, I worked there for like three or four years and then, uh, I had to resign, yeah. but that's another story. Yeah. Um, had a great experience. And, but after that, I just still needed to work with kids. I just loved working with them. I had a connection with them. I knew, and, and the kids I worked with at, uh, the school were, I worked with, I worked with the SPED department. Uh, a lot of the kids that were, had different, had, uh, difficulty. Oh, SPED means special, special education. Ed. Okay. Yeah. S- yeah, SPED. Mm. And so it's a fast way of saying it. Mm. And, um, and, uh, I worked in the department for behavior, uh, specialist with the kids that had a lot of trauma growing up or needed someone to, uh, needed, uh, needed, you know, the structure for that. The, a lot of the kids that we worked with were, uh, foster raised, mm. uh, just down the road. There's a help, junior helping hands home that, uh, they would come to our school and, we would foster, we would cater to them. They would, we would help them, you know, integrate into a classroom. So they learn how to be part of the classroom and, you know, kind of get comfortable without mm-hmm. lashing out because mm-hmm. they would, if, I mean, that was a lot of fight or flight that they were dealing with. Mm-hmm. And from this, um, I got really involved in lot, working with a lot of these, a lot of these children that worked with this. And after working with several that really, I feel went a long way after I had worked with them, mm-hmm. um, that I needed to keep going. So when I left, I um, worked in uh, another. I found another school, a private school, in the Jewish Community Center, the JCC of Austin, also Shalom, uh, um, Shalom, um, uh, 
Shalom Austin, his mm. name. And um, I have worked there for the well, past four years as a teacher there and recently uh, became the mindful director mm. for the for the whole, for my whole uh, school. Mm. And uh, what I get to do now is work with kids, work with families and all walks of life and wanting to connect more with the community in Austin and the community in general mm. and connect people to the 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 teachings of mindfulness, the crafts of mindfulness, the things that really, um, that we have been lacking in a lot of our school systems and a lot of our education. And I, I just aim to, um, connect families to this and, and really allow, um, some really great changes happen in the education world where it happens from the inside rather than teachers have the kids actually pave the way for everything because, where is there to hold space for them as teachers? Kids, it's all about their experience. So that's where that's where I'm trying to bring these these lessons in to allow children and, and families and kids of all ages just to recognize who they are and what they're capable of and when they're ready to when they're ready to learn is mm. is perfectly acceptable. No everyone learns in a different pace. Mm. And that's one of the things that so many of these so many schools seem to you know bombard a lot of kids with so much information and they forget that some kids take more time than others and when a lot of kids get these sensations they get they feel they feel bogged down they feel stressed out they get into depression stressed out situations and it's 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 in there's a cry for release somehow how do we release some of this i had no idea you were the director of mindful that is your new title yeah that's amazing. That's like groundbreaking to realize that, right? How many other schools have that? I don't know. Uh, I know that. Uh, I know that a lot That's of the, thing. I know that there's a lot of schools around Austin and a lot of places that are trying to implement more of the mindfulness programs, um, but I don't know if they have an actual. I know uh, there's a his last name is Butler. Uh, he's uh, he works at the ASD and he's uh, to chair at the ASD for for mindfulness, and so and he actually worked as a. Uh, preschool mindfulness teacher as well, who I'm still trying to connect with mm. um, because of his influence, and he has made a big uh, program out of it. Um, and other organizations have tried and done a lot. Um, I just aim to want to keep keep it going and not just have it stop with children, but connect it with families, connect it with communities, bring it into, you know, even, you know, the work world of, of the society, you know, for, mm. for when... But even for adults too, mindfulness for adults is is so needed. Mm. Even like, were you just saying like the fam like a mom came in and said something about how the children are teaching them mindfulness? Yes, uh, there's been yeah. several several stories. I love hearing the kids that I work with because uh, they always say like, "What are you sh What are you showing our kids?" Um, because he's at the dinner table and all of a sudden like he she said, "Everyone stop, take a breath," and she does this, she does my namaste finish at, mm -hmm. and like she really puts her intention and in like put it making her family do this and but when she allows her family to stop they just get this they they just they they can't believe what's been happening because she's been there's been children that uh they get they 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 hired they had her put in this program with me it's a my ever i have her as a client so i'm kind of getting off but uh i have her as a client and they wanted her to work with me personally and over time, she's developed more of a social dynamic, mm. and she's more sociable. Mm. And so, 
she's able to bring that home. Mm-hmm. Anxiety's down. Anxiety's down. Nice. Energy's up. So she's she has she's some, sleeping better. Some she's particular challenges or issues because of which her parents thought that enrolling her in a mindfulness focused program would be a good idea. Yes. And now she's okay. And now most of the pro most of the work that I do really um, it doesn't take very long. Like mm-hmm. I I really to see results. I really strive to say that. When people say miracles don't happen overnight, but I've actually seen it a little bit. <laughs> so, because um, I, I still work with other kids that um, I, 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 I volunteer kids if they want to come join mindfulness and I allow them to join me. And, and every kid that has, they, they tend to have this new outlook on what their situation is when they're at school. Well, I mean, children are like sponges, right? Oh, yeah. And they believe, if you say the sky is green. Yeah, they might actually look. So, I mean, they'll believe what you're saying, and that's the beauty of it. If you tell it to an adult, they're like, yeah, <laughs> all right, whatever, dude. But an adult or a child, it, it's this fresh mind. They, they just they're soak o- it all They're up. still so new. They're still open to accepting the reality. Yeah. And they haven't concluded to anything yet. So this is their opportunity to mm-hmm. really learn to access their, their whole mm-hmm. being without any restrictions. Yeah. And... What I really want to drive home is that these kids should have to learn to read the room. Mm-hmm. Reading the room is the big, big thing because uh, whenever you go into a classroom, whenever a kid goes in a classroom, the first thing most a lot of us you know expect is just somebody talking at you, yeah, and talking about you to do this one activity, this one activity, and you don't know what these kids are thinking. You don't know if they're interested, but you're putting this, you're putting this on them like. Do they have a choice in this? And then you always say, like, well, no. And a lot of say, people say, no, I'm the teacher. You have to listen to me. Mm-hmm. But it's not about the teacher. It's not about the teacher. The teacher is there to give advice, to guide, to foster, to, to, and to, to, to guide the learning process. And, for, and kids at that age who I work with, four and five-year-olds, three or four or five, they have so much curiosity still alive mm-hmm. that they have they they need as much time to just experience as they need yeah, yeah. you know and <clears throat> allowing um allowing that to flow naturally is 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 where i'm trying to push more of my program mm-hmm. in and yeah. and i have to i'm teaching a lot of the teachers that i work with um changing up the program and going with the flow of the children instead of always be in charge of what we're going to do next like you know what the kids want what do the kids want to do what are the what do you want to learn about yeah and how do you want to build this yeah. you know so what do you do to like teach the kids this mind uh, what's like a, a class a quick like yeah. run through what do you do i i did want to get to that but before that i had um uh, a curiosity about uh how how mindfulness came about in your own life? Like, what were the experiences? Yeah, that, yeah. No, I, I, I remember this one of the topics, and yeah. I feel like I've rummaged over a lot of the no, stuff no, no, that we no, want to talk about. And I'm glad yeah, you yeah. you were able. But to I do want zero... to come back to the specific oh, exercises. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you observed yeah. me back, so, yeah, I can, yeah. so yeah. we can keep the conversation flowing. Yeah. But no, it's exciting, and I'm excited because mindfulness really did save my life. Mm-hmm. I uh, I I owe a lot to just um like a lot of meditation practices a lot of uh spiritual awakenings uh through different different uh facilitators different programs 
And I found that a lot of them really spoke to me in a way that I have, uh, I, I certainly needed it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started off going to school with dyslexia. I was a, I was a sped kid. I was special ed Mm. and I had a lot of hard times learning. I was a very, uh, shy, shy, uh, student, shy, shy kid. I was very quiet in my family, never really spoke up about anything in my own world. And, um, just not really open to speaking up, and um, I, uh, I, I, st- I struggled a lot in school, and I also just, um, you know, had those feelings of being different, mm. and, you know, I would be put in a special ed class, and yeah. I had my whole group, and it was kind of cool, I mean, you kind of consider yourselves kind of like the, not, you kind of consider yourselves like the, the X-Men, I guess, of the school, because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, because you were hanging out with the other sped kids, and mm. but when you're when you leave the classroom, you kind of hear other kids kind of talking down about us. You know, like we're different in a mm. way that not isn't you know up to par with their their social dynamics. So it kind of hits us a little bit, and yeah. we get kind of we kind of start feeling it. Mm. Um, but for me, like you know, I, I I had that feeling for a long time. I felt very shy, not didn't open up a lot. I was. Uh, um, I was a basic, you know, nerd. I'd like to re- delve in my comics, get lost in cartoons. And that's where I was drawn to, you know, art and expression. And, um, but what really saved me about mindfulness was when I had all these things happen, a lot of, a lot of traumas come into my life, uh, personal, um, and, and from my schooling, like, uh, I had a, it was hard for me to finish work. It was hard. And, and a lot of that was self-worth issues. Self-worth kind of started kind of flooding me with all these, like, not worthy emotions, not worthy, unable to move on. And and, and, and that, you know, leads mm. led me to depression. A lot of people get led to depression this way. Mm. And um, so in those so, times... But I just want to kind of um, understand this a little better. Although this is sort of personal life, I, I feel like... Uh, without going into specifics, it's still useful to talk a little bit about this because to me that's really what points out to the audience what mindfulness is good for. Mm-hmm. So for example, in my earlier podcast where I've talked about mindfulness, I talked a little bit about my own personal issues and challenges that it helped me mm-hmm. with. So when you're talking about, let's say, self-worth issues, mm-hmm. do you think that the... the um, the forces or the causes that led you to help have those self-worth issues were only in school or also at home and or with friends they were all around okay i felt it was a worth issue from all around yeah um i had a good set of friends don't get me wrong and we had our own world um but there were times where i mean uh i didn't i i I would kind of be considered the shy one Mm. in the group when Kind of refrain from talking a lot so and i did that out of you know just what my past was just was like not good enough yeah. not good enough and uh um but you know for the longest time i just kind of accepted it and so um it just kind of followed me all the way into you know college years where i mean one of the things was when uh, I went to school, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I had you know, dyslexia, had a lot of hard 
times getting through studies. Um, I remember my graduation, um, me and my mom were waiting and I said that we did it. And instead of giving my credit, giving out the credit that I did it. And I would always do that. I would do, do that continually. Mm. And I held, held that for a long time. Like, even if I didn't comp or something, I always would find some excuse to like, I did it with this group. Mm. We did it together. And instead of taking like, no, you did something with this. You need to pay attention to your accomplishments. Mm. So it took me a long time to do that. But when I found it, it was um, at a breaking point during a lot of things that happened in my life, personal relationship kind of stuff that mm. really, you know, let me feel... Um, this was in college, like undergrad. College, yeah, undergrad. Okay, and you mentioned earlier that the self worth issues eventually led to depression. Mm -hmm. Would you say that that period was like high school, college? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I associate a lot of depression with a lot of the past mm -hmm. things that I've been through. Yeah, that's kind of I have a new definition of depression for myself and for a lot of people. And like maybe it's just me, mm -hmm. but my whole thing is that um, now I see. Um, the methods and the techniques that I've learned to uh, stay mindful, to stay focused. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I've done a lot of meditation courses. I've done a lot of spiritual healing courses. But whenever I found um, what uh, I do with kids yeah. is was so profound. Like when I was with the kids, um, this natural, like, uh, this natural feeling of you know shepherding these kids came about mm. and I felt like there was a purpose for me and mm. that's one of the things that I really wanted to strive for is like to I can understand these kids because I'm listening to them mm. and I'm learning that the more mindful I am with them the more mindful they are with me mm. and every time I reciprocate the mindful techniques and things that I've been doing with them it just comes it has shown me that you have control of your entire life you if and i have finally found that you know that self-worth is i am worthy i have mm. worth you know mm. and do you find it healing to like you, you might see a kid that reminds you of you absolutely and for you to help that child be more mindful and to know and then it's healing because now it's you're healing it's like you're healing your child self almost yeah no there's several students that i really kind of connect with that remind me of like mm. something I might have gone through and yeah. something that would have been helpful for me. Someone but, would have just said, hey, this is how you, you, should, you should do it. Just don't mind them. Just, this is what matters. Yeah. If they said that, like, I want to be your kid, that would help. It would have been great. Tremendously. It would have been great. Um, uh, however, I mean, I am grateful for the lessons that I've had in my life mm. and I'm not ashamed of them. Yeah. They helped me bring me to the, where I am now. Yeah, yeah. And I can say that because of mindfulness. Mm. I can say that because of all the inner word, yeah. inner work, all the grounding, all the feeling of being here and now and sharing with others and sharing experiences you have. Mm. Uh, it really, it just, it, it gave me the whole new de definition for myself of what depression is. Yeah. And for me, depression, the, for the, uh, for my definition, I see it is that is it's a fear that you have not overcome yet. Mm. Depression is a fear that you still have to face, mm -hmm. and if once you once you face this fear, mm. a lot of the times the depression will subside. Mm. So you were you were you were you were in the, in the process of telling us how this transformation happened. So you were in undergrad, and you were having all of these issues of self related to self worth, and you had depression. So what was the sequence of events, or basically, like, what brought? 
I had a, real, a girlfriend. Oh, no, no. I'm talking about the how you encountered mindfulness. Like, when did that happen? Um, when I, after the trauma, after the yeah. pain. Uh, there's a man named Scottio, Scott McClure, uh-huh. yeah. and his wife, Melanie McClure. They mm-hmm. ran this meetup group here in Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Ecstatic Hearts, mm-hmm. and they do practices with Tantra. Mm-hmm. Tantra is a lot of... Uh, is a is an ancient uh, uh, practice mm. related to yoga mm. that has been brought in that has been around for eons. What else is it related to? Um, this is a test. Come on. It, I mean, it's 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 related to mindfulness. And isn't there a form something else you can use it? Oh yeah, I mean you can use it in sexuality. Oh, that's I mean, right. <laughs> that's what you guys wanted you to say. <laughs> you wanted me to get jabbed. Okay. No, I want you to no, it's good. It's good for that. So yes, a lot of people associate you know the tantra with the sexual world, but it's more about it's more than that. It's 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 accepting your whole body and and all its functions and all its feelings and and it's a practice of of truly just just going through these practices and experiencing everything around you. Mm. And we practice this, uh, this, uh, term in, in Sagar is called, uh, witness consciousness. Mm. He uses a lot. But this, this was happening while you were still like fairly young, like in your college days. This or? was like late college, um, oh, okay, okay. just about yeah. to leave. Okay. And, um, mm. um, I had come home at various times for mm. vacations and stuff. And, found these meetup groups mm-hmm. and found Tantra, mm-hmm. found the ecstatic arts group. Mm-hmm. And it, um, it really, uh, it, it set the stage for meditation. It set the stage for mindfulness and how to connect the world with this kind of work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I could apply that. I could apply this to the teachings I work with kids, you know? Mm-hmm. So since I started practicing mindfulness meditation, which was about two or three years ago, I have definitely noticed that, uh, my life is more intentional now. Mm-hmm. I am, I, I I can use or I can build like new good habits mm-hmm. as a tool to drive my life forward, as opposed to being enslaved mm-hmm. by by habits. Um, so that definitely connects to what you're saying. And the other thing is that now, if I notice that there is some some kind of friction happening in my life or something that needs to be improved that requires a certain change of habit, the first thought is a thought of fear. Oh, like because. Every time you need to push yourself to change a habit, there's a certain fear associated. And what I've noticed is with my practice of mindfulness meditation, the level of that fear has reduced. Wonderful. And the level of confidence that I will be able to stick to something and create a new habit has sort of mm-hmm. increased. And even if there are little failures here and there in the process of trying to change something about my life, I think I'm much better at responding to those failures and not letting them completely uh, making making me completely abort the whole process of, right. of, of, of trying to make this change i think that you should just have no fear at all <laughs> i don't i think fear is a useful tool though i know <laughs> i think it's a killer of all, all mm. good things interesting i forget there was one uh, i read a book and it said that fear is the worst emotion that humans could have because Sometimes it stops I, them from I would like, like, living life travis though in certain specific contexts i feel like uh Nate, in... give me one scenario okay i bet you i can beat that so I go climbing very mm-hmm. often and if you're about to make the wrong move, you get a very visceral sensation of the fear of falling. Okay. Absolutely. And the thing is, one of the reasons I do climbing is to regularly feel that fear and to 
and to sort of learn from it to see where that fear is exaggerated versus where mm -hmm. that is very natural. So I think uh, a good thing is to calibrate your mind and body so as to respond appropriately to fear right. as opposed to respond too appropriate much. to you. Yeah, so, yeah. so I want to ask you yeah. specifics about um, the, the mindfulness practice that you've used on yourself as well as on the kids. Yeah. But before that, I have a couple of quick questions. You talked about the self-worth issues and the mm -hmm. depression that you were experiencing before you encountered Tantra and mindfulness. Mm -hmm. How would you characterize those uh, those issues as having improved or not in the years since with your mindfulness? And since I consider that part of my life something that if I could go back in time, mm. I could actually tell myself something. Mm. And I know that there are ways to get through what I was going through and that mindfulness meditation was the way and backtracking yeah. from where I came from that would have never happened I would I was still a shy boy I was still hiding into the, hiding in my room I would never come out to socialize with anybody I was very quiet yeah. and very uh yeah. just like no like my roommates would have to pry me out of my room just to get the light of me because they liked hanging out with me mm -hmm. but I never saw it you know because mm -hmm. I had a lot of self-worth issues and I was like yeah. Like you guys are cool, but but yeah, yeah. now I go, I can go into scenarios and control it, and yeah. know that I'm in control. In the past, in the first time that we met, I participated in a mindfulness mm -hmm. exercise that you put us through, which was like a room full of adults, not mm -hmm. kids. But oh you didn't God. say that this is an exercise that you use with kids. So, um, could you describe some of these very specifically the exercises that you use with your kids yeah. and with the following in mind that some of the people who are listening to the podcast now might want to, um, you know, use this Try exercises use it, themselves. Yeah. yeah so, 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 you know, be as descriptive yeah. as possible. Absolutely. And, um, that night was very profound. And, um, so, uh, and I was very fortunate to experience, mm -hmm. Uh, sharing those uh, those techniques with all those all those adults that attended, mm -hmm. and so um, what I was focusing on that night was um, where your sense of fight or flight comes from. Mm -hmm. And I notice for when I'm working with kids, when they react to a certain way, a lot of their sinuses get real flared up, mm -hmm. and a lot of them either you know have a hard time breathing or start sniffling a lot. Or there's a lot of red in their face. You can notice like pigmentation in their like under eyes, and it starts to it's noticeable. Mm. It's almost like if you're waking up from a nap or anything like that. Mm. But anyway, um, so what I want to do with what I did with y'all was I would bring a sense of that feeling, and and what that connects us with is what what we remember being children, what it feels like to be children again. Mm. So when you can start helping having you know the senses in your sinuses start to i don't know you kind of tickle your sinuses a little bit mm -hmm. it's it, you get you sneeze sometimes or you get those ticklish joyous feelings mm -hmm. and what i was aiming to do which it seemed to work uh mm -hmm. was i remember what you had us do on that particular night was uh, you had a toy box mm -hmm. and you had us pick a toy mm -hmm. and then lie flat on our backs mm -hmm. and put that toy on our chest and watch it rise and fall mm -hmm. as we are breathing. Mm -hmm. Is that the same exercise that you're talking about? This, now, one, this, this is one? a separate okay, one, okay. but it's mm. in the same thing. I'm, 
I want to, I'm talking about when we, um, first got into the mindfulness, mm. like my introduction was, hi, my name's Travis. Here's mm. what we're going to do. So what I did was we had a deep, we, we had a breath. Mm. And when we broke, when we were focused on the breath out, mm. we made this sound. It sounded like a laugh. It uh. sounded like a laugh. And that laugh is when, when you continually do this vibration in your brain, mm. allowing it to flow in and out, in and out. Mm. It allows you to kind of uh, surrender to um, the present also. Mm. It also connects you to your child a little bit mm. because what I bring brought into it was um, at the end of the breath was a little laughter. Mm. So I can do an example yeah, if you'd we, like me to. Yeah, we can both do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what we did was... Mm. We, we, we take a deep breath in mm. and then when you breathe out, you focus it going outward through your mouth, through your nose. So, <laughs> okay. So and it's like a really full it's a, breath that's coming it's a, out. It's a, it's, it's pushing all the breath out. As, <laughs> yes. Okay. It's a natural laughing sensation and you yeah. already get the, those good feelings coming out. So breathe in. <laughs> 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 I see. Okay. And we keep doing that, and that's pretty funny, and, by the way. That although there's nothing funny happening otherwise, just this act of doing this elevates your mood as well. It elevates your mood. Yeah. It elevates your feelings, and yeah. allows you to enjoy some play. Mm. And so, are I you was, breathing out both through your nostrils as well as your mouth as you're doing this? Well, I. Yes, you are. You're breathing out through your nose and your nostrils at no nostrils and your mouth at the same yeah, time. Yeah. And what it does is mm. it, it gives you that tickling sensation. So yeah. one more time, I'll do it one more time. You breathe in, mm. <laughs> and it's a natural. And, and you're breathing naturally. It's a natural yeah. breath, and yeah. it's releasing all at the same time. Mm. But at the same time, it's stimulating mm. this area. It's it's lifting. Oh, it's it's sort of a wake up. It's it sort of helps wake up the brain again. Mm. And so when we were doing that with our mindfulness, uh, I was able to get you guys to play as children and to be children, to be animals, to try different mm. mo movements. What does it feel like to be a dog? What does it feel like to be a cat? Mm. And we were a little rushed because we wanted to make sure it was we were sharing time with the the event that was happening. Mm. But the last event that you touched on mm. with uh, the toy on your tummy, mm. uh, this is called the buddy breathing. I call it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a technique that a lot of, uh, that I've read a lot in a lot of research. I use it a lot um, at my schools, mm. uh, in, my, in my lessons. Uh, so you, a lot of the kids will get lovies or a toy um, and put it on their belly. Mm. And what you're doing is, um, you see if you can get it to where you can, you know, notice what you're looking at, notice the animal, notice the toy, like having kids <coughs> use stuffed animals or animals of some kind of eyes so you can maybe make eye contact mm -hmm. and you get the sense of see what you can do. How would you um, calm your lovey to sleep? How would you calm your, your toy on your belly to sleep? And the moment you start caring, look, feeling, thinking about how, you would calm it down. You're calming whatever you have on your tummy down and you just kind of lose yourself in that moment and it starts rising and falling, mm. rising and falling. And pretty soon there's only this, this motion happening. Mm. And there's a, there's a great exercise to do right before you'd have uh, kids that nap time. Nap time. Mm. That's a perfect technique to use before they go down for a nap. 
because we come off of the playground a lot. We come off of lunch and it's a great way to help nourish and get all those things that you've experienced and just have a calm down. And a lot of the students that I work with, their sleep has improved. They, mm-hmm. they get fuller um, nap time where mm-hmm. a lot of the time, you know, there's a lot of kids lying awake. They can't go to sleep, mm-hmm. but when they're calm and in a state of, you know, just relaxation, they can ease into it and allow the sleep mm-hmm. to take, take, take on. Mm-hmm. And so from what I was doing with the, with the group, um, I just wanted y'all to experience that and experience what it's like to, you know, have the joy of being a child and play and enjoy that. And we need that. Mm-hmm. And also some of the techniques that we would do. So laying down, we were getting ready for like a, like a pseudo nap. Mm-hmm. And so that's just kind of, mm-hmm. cal- it's a calming method. I see. So with these exercises, you have, uh, you have got benefits with these children. You, oh you my God. Yeah. Uh, I said earlier, um, I work with two, a lot of kids in the preschool and a lot of them, um, take, you know, take transitions differently. So mm. a lot of them don't like transitions and they don't like change. So whenever they come up to, you know, a change of situations that they get, they, they, they don't know what to do because it's not, they're not ready to give it up. They're mm. not ready to stop. Mm. And a lot of kids, what they'll do is they'll throw a tantrum. Okay. They'll get angry. Mm. They'll, they'll whine, they'll cry um, because they're just expressing that they're not done. Mm. So um, what, we do in those moments we, do that. we do it all the time <laughs> and what we do is since we're working with so many kids and everything we want everyone to be on the same page and mm-hmm. so we allow everyone to help one another we we make sure everyone feels like they're helping they're they're picking up picking up after themselves mm-hmm. helping the other so so say some of the kids get really emotional for for not being able to finish this mm-hmm. kids i've been able to allow them to do breathing exercises and take a breath, drink some water, notice the coolness that mm-hmm. as it goes down. And when they take it, they, they take the swallow. We've have them listen to the swallow. Mm-hmm. And when they're done, they kind of open their eyes and they come out of it and they, they, they lose that sense of fight or flight. They lose that sense mm-hmm. of, uh, mm-hmm. of, of, um, anxiety. anxiety. Yeah. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a, I was looking for another word, anxiety, but uh, um, his event, his uh, trauma, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Just, just this sense of yeah. being losing, ruffled up. Losing yes. control, yeah. and so he freaks out. But mm-hmm. That's awesome. And every time yeah. I've, I've worked with these kids several for for a few months now, and I mean, mm-hmm. you see the difference in them that they're slowly slowed down. Mm-hmm. When at first, they would be running around, they don't know how to stop, and yeah. they, they would trip on their own feet, and they would scrape their knee. Mm-hmm. And now people, now the kids will... You know, mm. they'll, they'll slow down. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. They slow down. So you have been using this mindfulness exercises on special ed students and getting results. Mm-hmm. But would you recommend, do you see reasons to uh, have all students? Oh, he, did, uh, he, he has all it's, students. It's not just that yeah. now. Ah, I work okay. with all, all oh, that's levels. Great. Ah. Now it's the whole school, it's right? It's the whole school. Not, yeah. Some of them are just as, and they don't have, I mean, I feel like there's no labels anymore. Everyone's just yeah. mindful. That's awesome. So you see good reasons for introducing mindfulness as part of early school curriculum? It has to be. Yeah. This is the most lucrative age for children to learn stuff. Mm. They're experiencing stuff for the first time. They're, everything they're experiencing is new. Mm. And for them to be aware of, of, of regulation skills at this early age mm. is going to benefit them in, in tremendously. tremendously. And, mm. so, and it's been said, but it's so true because 
they now have the tools to prepare themselves for adulthood. the anxiety <laughs> of adulthood. All right. Well, that brings our conversation to a very playful conclusion. Absolutely. And I would like to thank both of you this for great. spending your time. I'm so happy here. I got to to uh, ex- to express the power and passion that is mindfulness. Good birthday present. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation and that you will drop by again. Until then, so long and take care. Mm-hmm.